0: Welcome to the new channel. Born out of passion, we are a community that helps you be the new you. My name is Michelle Moross, and I'm live streaming from the beautiful mountains of Colorado in the United States. You're watching Mental Shift, season four, episode 45. Well, good evening to the United States and to the Philippines, Magandang Magasanyang Lahat. My guest tonight is an international speaker, physical therapist, and certified coach with the John Maxwell team. And I personally asked her to come on to my first show for season four because she's been my longtime friend and we've been going through a lot together. And well, her motto is when you fall off a horse, you get back on and ride again. And perseverance is one of her most significant character traits. And that's one of the things that brought us together. We tend to have our, our illness cycles together. And uh, I wanted her on because when I think of resiliency, and when I think of a heart that gives and loves and just keeps going, I think of Heather, and when I think of mental shifts, I think people with mental shifts need those kind of qualities in order to get through what they get through. So remember, show this show Mental Shift, we discuss the shifts or the mental shifts that people have had in their lifetime that made them either up-level or realize something in their life that they had to shift their mindset in order to overcome whatever it is to be the woman or the man that they are today. So with all of that I've just said, I want you to meet this thriver and this amazing woman who has had so many victories over her health challenges, my friend and co-author of my latest book, our latest book, uh, (laughs) Hold My Crown, Women of Grit, Share Stories of Resilience. Please welcome Heather Harris. Hello. Hello my friend. How are you?
1: Oh wonderful to be here.
0: (laughs) Well I wanted to go into all the things that you've gone through and I'm like no we're going to talk about that because we were going through these cycles. I mean I would I would say uh, uh, she would call me and say I'm in the hospital and I would say oh that's funny so am I. (laughs) But if you ever want to see the most happy, most peaceful human person in the world, it's Heather. She is just always so blessed and calm about things. Even when the world is going chaotic, she says, it's okay. It's fine. Right, Heather?
1: Absolutely. And believe me, there was some of that even this week.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, that's such as life, right? now. In the book, in our uh, we share we are co-authors in a book called "Hold My Crown: Women of Grit Share Stories of Resilience," and in your bio you talk a little bit about it, but in the book you talk much more about one of your very first trials you had with your with your daughter being born. Right. And then after that, that's what I'm trying to get at. So we'll we'll, we'll highlight what you talk about in the book and why you felt it was necessary to share it. And then by the second half, we'll go into all the things that have happened to your life now because people look at the past and do, oh yeah, she wrote that story and that was in the past. That's, she She's not really going through anything anymore. Look how happy she is. You have no idea what Heather is going through. And I would love for her to share bits of it because that smile and that peace is something we can all learn from in times of strife. So Mm -hmm. Heather, you are in, you, you've been in the medical, the physical therapy world for years, and then you have your baby, right? Right. So can you fill us in how, how being in the field you were in helped you shift your mindset to what was happening when you had your baby, that kind of thing?
1: Well, being in that field, I felt more confident about dealing with what would happen when it got to the point when my daughter did have um, some? Well, there were issues in that pregnancy, and being in that field meant I was a a little bit more of an advantage going into hospitals and being in a NICU and when early, 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 really early. I mean, my daughter was almost four months early.
0: What's so, a NICU? What's a NICU?
1: Oh, the neonatal- miss Miss Medical. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm already in medical terminology, huh? Uh, a NICU is a neonatal intensive care unit. Um, so when babies are born so early, they end up having to be in that intensive care unit to be able to uh, have ventilators and surgeries and all kind of stuff. And she had the whole lot of all those things, just be, uh, being born so early. She needed all of that. Um, every support that she could possibly get, she had. And for some people, that would be very, very intimidating that this little tiny baby is now having surgeries um, in their heart, uh, in her um, intestines. Um, I remember even how that looked as the small intestine uh, part of your body, when you're growing and you need to have a certain amount of ability to absorb everything that goes through your digestive tract, you have to have a certain amount of small intestine for all that to be sent through your body the way that it should be and and absorb um, nutrients. And so they, brought us in and said, oh, we're just going to snip out this piece, this piece, this piece, and this piece, because these pieces are dead. And we're just going to cut those and then we'll sew it all back together and it'll be fine. You know, she'll be able to eat and digest and, and get all her food. And really, that's pretty much what has happened over the years. She's gotten into the place of now she doesn't have any issues um, with digestive problems or um, anything like that because they were right. But when you're a person that's like myself, who had a, a confidence about those situations, it was fine. But there were plenty of parents in that NICU who looked around like, What are you talking about? What's going to happen? You know, how are they going to make it through? So, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, so my question to you was with that situation going on with your daughter and being in the NICU, your mind shift, what what kind of mind shift did you have? What mental shift did you have being amongst all those teeny tiny babies in crisis mm. and being around all these other adults, you know, parents, new parents who are scared of, of the unknown? You with your knowledge, understand the unknown possibilities, which actually makes it worse in my my opinion, because Mm -hmm. you know every if and but that could possibly happen. What was that mental shift that happened with you where you went, okay, bad things are happening. It could be much worse. How can I make this situation better? And the reason I want to ask you that is because so many people right now are in crisis and they see other people in crisis and they do, that's their problem, not my problem. You know, that, that's their circus, my, their flying monkeys, not yeah. mine. And, but you didn't do that. You saw crisis and went, I'm in my own crisis. What was that mental shift? Why did you do what you did? And how do other people emulate that? That's what I'm after.
1: Well, really, the first part of that uh, crisis was the same as it would be for anyone else. I was crying. I told my husband, I'm coming home. I don't know this baby uh, because you can't hold her. They wouldn't allow you to hold her for the first month um, and because she was actually in the warming bed. It was an open warming bed, but they wouldn't let us hold her because she was linked up to the ventilator and um, all the other tubes and things that she needed for um, sustaining her life, basically. So I was in panic <laughs> initially. So there was definitely a mental shift in that I started out in panic, just as anybody else would have been. And then I got to that place where I, I was very clear, even before she was born that I was planning to nurse. I was planning to breastfeed. And that ended up being one of those things that seemed like it wasn't going to pan out Mm -hmm. because she was taking tube feeds. She wasn't um, getting a bottle to feed her. They were just using a um, small tube that went down her nose and into her stomach to feed her that way. And they would give her these little bits. It was little tiny amounts. And so the mental shift came, I believe, when I determined, well, actually, I probably can do that. I could still do it. <laughs> I was believing I could still do it. And so I would just sit down and express milk. Um, I would uh, sit with a sh- uh, machine
0: and to what did you create do?
1: that milk uh, four times a day. And I just got determined about doing that. And that put me in a different mental space to say, okay, we can get through this. I can get through this. Because then I had a goal. I had something that was directing me in um, being more supportive of her. Not to mention, they made it pretty clear, the medical professionals the nurses and the doctors, they always tell you the best milk for any of these babies is is a mother's milk. The formula type milk that they would give or potentially could give to other babies wasn't gonna be as effective, nearly, not nearly. I mean, and you think about that, this is how we're made, that we have just been so divinely made um, to create these things that are perfect for babies when we have them. So,
0: well, and when you were in that situation and you had that mental shift of realizing, I have a goal. I have something to do. Yeah. I've got something to 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 give back. Mm. And when you're expressing that milk, and what's so magical about that is, in your crisis, you were giving. Mm. And I wanted to share that because on episode, you know, first episode of season four is because in the world of crisis right now, there's so many people looking at me, 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 my, mine, (laughs) mine, get out of my way Mm. kind of thing. And I wanted to share you as an example of just because you're in crisis doesn't mean you need to be mean. Mm. Just because you're in crisis doesn't mean you have to retreat, Yes, you can be human. Like Heather said, she retreated. She got sad. She was scared. I don't even know this baby. What am I going to do? I mean, I've got this milk and there's not going to, it's just going to go away because my, she shifted after she had her pity party. Mm -mm. Right. So, and that's the magic of it. You can shift your mind to no matter what horrific thing is going on around you find the other way to look at it so you can find the positive in that scary negative. Now we have a lot of people popping on saying hello and uh, <laughs> all sorts. Of, and Oh, Apple, Apple says, uh, her son was also brought to the NICU when she gave birth to him. it was a life changing experience. Mm. I almost didn't, she almost didn't make it. So I see you've got someone else in, in the world here that understands and goes through that. And see, I, I just think it's really, amazing when people are in crisis. That's why I hold you in such high esteem, Mm -hmm. that in such crisis, especially when it's with your baby that you've been carrying and you're worried about to be completely separated and then think of the welfare of all the other babies. Mm. That was beautiful in itself. Now, I want to shift this again. So what you've done and what you, who you are and how you behave when it comes to crisis, when you are when you go into the corporate world and you're speaking and you're training, what does that situation? How does that help the people that you serve in the community, in in corporations, in training sessions? And when you're speaking from stage, because when you go on, like when you go on stage for um, "Hold My Crown: Women of Grit Share Stories of Resilience," what is that core message you're sharing with the people that you are interacting with?
1: Well. It has to do with that falling off a horse and getting back on and riding again. Mm -hmm. The thing that is going to hit all of us is that initial panic. It's coming. It's one of those things. It's a natural part of who we are to have those kind of emotions. But then my second, usually, my second um, response in, these critical situations becomes, there are people around me that I'm still able to be of assistance to. And so it's kind of an odd way of reframing what's happening in a situation, but that tends to be my bent. Um, And so when I'm in a place of speaking and Uh, training, and even just demonstrating, even as I've gone through some of the health challenges that I've gone through in recent years, it's always been, well, I'm just going to keep on going. Um, (laughs) and, And in that, I usually expect that my situation is likewise going to come together the way that it should. And in that um, time that I'm encouraging somebody else. So one of the examples I had is when I had um, a recent health issue that meant it was difficult for me to walk. I was crawling up the steps in my house, trying to get to my bedroom every night. And one of the things that I found myself doing was taking a short walk maybe from my the front of my house the door of my front door of my house and down to the end of the block and i would just keep doing it people would see me they would see i was struggling but i said no i'm fine i'm just gonna keep you know demonstrating this is how you do it this is you know you start taking steps forward and that how that's how life can look you'll get these little steps but the little steps build on each other and in that and and showing people that it is an opportunity to be able to encourage them in that way so because when you get to the point like now I'm walking 6 miles <laughs> in my neighborhood they say oh right you're that lady you know so
0: well, now that you brought that up, then we are we're, we're, we're gonna go there. Now, one of the things that you don't know about Heather is this woman is the most resilient person I've met. She is going she has gone through so much in the past what it's been three years now, right? Five. Yeah. Five. Oh my gosh. Okay. So one of the can I share about what happened when I came to see you and you're wearing your helmet? Yes. Okay. I get this slurred voicemail from Heather and you hear how she talks and she, I got this voicemail. I'm fine. And hospital. And I'm like, Oh my God, I need to go find her. And I didn't know where she, and she's like, but she was still talking. I was too busy panicking. And I ended up going to see her in the hospital and she's wearing a helmet. And what happened is they removed her skull caps. Mm-hmm. I I have never heard of that before, but here she is sitting in this bed, smiling at me without skull caps <laughs> on. And she's telling me, oh, everything's fine. She's talking really slow, but everything's fine. I'm blessed. And I'm like, um, you don't have skull caps on. And even when she was in that state, she was trying to calm me down. That is the kind of woman Heather is. It's okay. Don't worry about it. They've got me. I know what's going on. She was talking to the doctors about medication and the different procedures. I have a bump in my head from my car accident and I cannot do that. She has no skull caps talking at 10 times slower than her norm and she's telling the doctors what she's willing to let them do to her. That's how smart and cognizant Heather is and how uh, it's just so amazing to see her standing and sitting and whiting and doing all this stuff because I saw her when she was at that really scary state. I saw when they're expressing liquid out of her lungs. I mean, I watched her And I remember being terrified for her life. And then the next time I see her, she says, I went to church this morning and I've got my helmet on and I'm fine. (laughs) I'm like, really, Heather? And now look at her. You would never know because that's what resiliency looks like. That's what someone who goes through a lot of pain looks like. She went through with faith, knowing that she was going to make it through some way or another. And you did because she believed she would. And she didn't just sit there and wait. She believed she could. And she made sure that the steps that were happening around her were the right ones around her. There's a second, right, Heather? Bring back Heather because we're going to talk. And and the reason I wanted to explain all that is because I, I wanted Heather to get to the bigger part of it. <laughs> like, like losing your skull cap wasn't the big one. But that the bigger part of it is. So many of us go to hospitals and, and, and places of, that we see experts, and we just assume they know everything that's right for us. Heather, you are here today because you paid attention. You were an advocate for yourself. And I want you to share that experience of knowing and, and, and maybe what people can do if they ever find themselves in a situation where they need an advocate, you know, How do they find someone that can help them? That kind of thing. Because you were your own. I Mm. wish you were in the hospital with me because, wow. What
1: typically will happen is, hopefully anyway, that there's some support from a family member or someone who's able to at least uh, be a second ear for things that are spoken in um, visits with, Uh, medical professionals, because it always helps to have someone else that hears what's happening as um, doctors are relating all this information. Because sometimes it can be very complex. It's very scary. Um, All those other things that, again, stir up all that emotion because it's in that situation when you don't know how you're going to feel or how you're going to get through it. So it's always useful to have a good friend or a um, person that's um, somebody in your family who loves you and who will stand in your corner regardless of anything. Now, I have been my own advocate in that. Uh, Most situations, um, I've been able to process that on my own. But as was with this particular incident in the brain uh, surgery and skull surgery, I was completely out for two days, four days, um, behind the various things that they did. I was put into a, a coma that they part. They put you in a sedated coma uh, to keep you from causing the uh, other issues as you're recovering. They don't want you to pull out the breathing tube or any of those uh-huh. things. In fact, I woke up in restraints, but in that case, I had gone in and didn't know anything about the surgery they were going to do, but it was my husband that spoke for me in that circumstance and, and made the right decisions as far as them doing some life-saving measures and surgery, which in, involved removing a uh, skull and um, affecting my brain tissue. But my husband knew exactly, I, I, I'm amazed looking back <laughs> at it. He knew exactly what to say. He said, don't give her this drug. Don't give her this medication because she's had you know, reactions to that in the past don't do this, don't do that. I mean, he knew exactly what to tell them. Um, so it's always useful when you have somebody that will track with you. Um, and like I said, that close friend or family member that can be the person that even when you can't speak for yourself, that they're there to pick that up. So
0: well, I am well, speaking to have my husband you. in that. Well, you and I spoke in the hospital about the importance of having a sheet, uh, like a list of the things that you're allergic to, the things mm. that you don't want, you know, it's almost like a living will, but not that formal. It's things I, I, I'm allergic to, things that I, I know I don't react well to, uh, just a list so that and have it in a place that if anything did, God forbid, happen, mm-hmm. the person in that would be there with you, like with our cases, our spouses would be with us they know for sure, okay, these are the meds that don't work very well for her or him or mm-hmm. whatever they're doing. Like with me, uh, the other thing you had was you had to like, you kept, you were tracking it, uh, like the meds coming in. I remember when I was in the hospital, I was very delirious and a lot of pain. And my husband walked outside to go to, the, he went to the restroom. And when he was gone, they came in and gave me meds. And I couldn't remember what they gave me. And so when they came back, they said, so what meds did you have? And I went, well, they gave me something. Well, what did they give you? I, went, I don't know. You're the one who gave them to me. you know. And it became this, this rigmarole of what's really gone into her and what hasn't. And so my husband refused to leave the room because for then now and he wanted to write down anything that they put down put in me. And mm. that's something that would be important for an advocate, for someone to be in a hospital with with anyone is that have a list have a little notebook just like when you're about to have a baby you have all the things in a bag an emergency bag that if you mm-hmm. ever had to go in like right now with covid going around know the things that you cannot have know the things that you accept, will accept you know that kind of stuff i can't mm-hmm. remember but we talked about that while you were in the hospital mm-hmm. about we need you, you need an emergency someone's got to know me bag right and especially like right now with COVID, where they don't let people go into the hospital with you, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be some way that we can be our own advocate, even when we're out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, have a this is a checklist of things that you know don't do so well with me. And can we please write down all the meds you gave me? Because that's one of my bigger things now. Is when I go into um, the hospital, they ask me, "What are you allergic to?" I remember I'm allergic to three things. I don't remember what they are. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying, right? That's the truth. And really it
1: even flags up that fact that, and something that I always share with people, um, we know ourselves <laughs> better than any medical professional knows you. They see you for this really limited uh, amount of time, and they don't get the full scale picture of the whole lifetime you've had about these other things that have happened that were not a part of your particular episode that maybe you're seeing them for. And so it is important to have those things written down because there's times too when that kind of thing is not even in a medical record. It's just your knowledge of yourself. You know who you are. Um, You've been living with you from day one. They're seeing you for a short period of time. So it's necessary to make sure you're clear on things, especially things that have a very significant, um, cause significant issues um, as you've known from in the past. Um, And so it's important to be able to have something of record of your own, that you're able to uh, express what needs to be expressed in the, uh, times when you come into um, issues around
0: health. Sounds good. Mm. Now, I want to make sure that we, oh, more people. Hi everyone for joining us. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, please write them in the comments. We are about to go to our, our break and we'll be right back after this commercial, but please write, com- write comments, ask Heather questions. First season, I mean, season number four, first show, come out and talk to us. So TNC is a live stream platform of online shows for people on the go. So please watch all of our shows that you're about to see on the screen. So imagine having your own show, your own playlist, your own content, but TNC makes it easier for you. TNC aims to transform the lives of our viewers through engaging, authentic, and original content. Our vision is to become the global 24-7 live stream channel that showcases Filipino talent, global influencers, cultural intelligence, and ingenuity. Please continue to watch Mental Shift every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time in the in the United States and in Wednesdays at 10 30 AM in the Philippines, you can watch live or on the replay via Facebook or YouTube. And please follow TNC on Instagram. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, just search hashtag TNC. Now for sponsorship opportunities, please email N O W. So now at the new channel.com or send a direct message to TNC. So enjoy these life-changing shows because we made them for you. Mm-hmm. Where are you, Heather? I'm here. You are? I don't see it. Yes. Oh. There you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I didn't do? See, this is what happens when you take a break from your from your show. <laughs> got to call in the commercials. So we'll be right back after the commercials. How about that? Stay tuned. (laughs) Welcome back to Mental Shift. My name is Michelle Maross. And guess what I just realized? In the United States, we have 46 days till Christmas. Are you ready? And for those of you, (laughs) 46 days before Christmas, I'm not ready. I'm not ready at all. And for those of you who are in Asia, you have 45 days. You are in the future for the rest of us. And what's so funny, yeah, there we are. Oh, let me peek. (laughs) <laughs> Peek-a-boo. are you ready for Christmas? And uh, <laughs> so 45 days to Christmas, and I cannot wait for you to uh, be with TNC for our new Christmas uh, venture we're about to do. and You'll hear from it later, I guess. Watch the channel. For those of you who are watching, I, my guest tonight, her name is Heather Harris, and she is an international speaker of physical therapist, certified coach with the John Maxwell team, and she's my friend. And there's about 200 of you out there watching right now. So I know you're out there and I know you have questions. So please write them into the comments. We'd love to answer them. This is season four of Mental Shift, and I am on fire. I'm so excited to have all of you with us. So come on, say something, ask us some questions. And Heather, come on back. Let's talk. yeah we've got a crowd out there watching us but no one's saying anything they're all quiet yes oh good Ah. morning watching font antipolo thank you nes and then we've got people oh marcel says we've got we've got my uh my my co-host from denim and pearls with our little logo in the corner he's saying 45 days that scares me i know brian you have to get me a gift in the next 45 days So 45 days till Christmas, what, what is your goal? What would you do? Are you, so Heather, are you a big Christmas decorator or, you know, what do you do?
1: I am. We are big Christmas decorators. However, it's usually my husband (laughs) doing the decorating. Uh, And that's Thanksgiving evening that's when all that gets done and dusted. So.
0: Wow.
1: So yeah, he's 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 on it.
0: Now see with me, for the past 5 years I've been just out of the every surgery has been around December 20th. So for the past 5 years except during covid, no covid I have my shoulder done. So for the past 5 years I've been incapacitated with tubes hanging out of me and on heavy pain kill- killers every Christmas for the past 5 years. So this is the first year I'm actually not going to be in the hospital for Christmas nice. yes. and I can actually enjoy it with my family. I'm like, whoo, I'm excited, but I don't know what to do now because all the other times I've just been laying on the couch, Jen, look at the pretty sparkling lights, you know, but this time I can actually participate. And so this I'm excited about because I'll be able to help decorate and our our grown up children will come home. It'll be it'll be fun. It'll I I, I hope it'll be fun. <laughs> it I don't know. It it's been five years. <laughs> it will be like a brand new Christmas. So we'll see. And yes, my husband tends to uh, be the decorator because I've been out of commission for the past five years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: First year, first year, we're gonna have to celebrate big this year. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Apple. Yes, it is wonderful news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be in the hospital for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. Yes. You can count on me. Yes. So (laughs) back to Heather, because I got distracted with the whole 46 days to Christmas thing. Uh, It comes by very quickly. I I swear Mm -hmm. we just got out of COVID, you know, when they just said, Oh, it's really Brian. Did you see what Brian wrote? He wrote, what do I get a bougie partner? So if you don't know what bougie means, it's because I'm very proper. And so he says, what do you get a bougie partner? Well, anything she wants. (laughs) (laughs) Buy 50 of my books, of the Hold My Crown books, and give them out as gifts to all your other friends. That's what you do for your bougie partner. Anyways, (laughs) Venom and Pearls. Yep, that's us. Heather, back to you. You talk about you know, getting, falling off the horse and getting back up again. And when I asked you to be in the book, Hold My Crown, Women of Grit, Share Stories of Resilience, you said, yes, ma'am. Mm. And I know you were going through your own crisis. You were going through that whole brain thing when I asked you to write. You were still in it when I asked you to write. And part of my thought process with that that comes up is, So many people are afraid to do things because they don't want to mess up because if it's not perfect, then they can't do it. You were missing skull caps going through the middle of it all, (laughs) uh, right through surgery. And I said, do you want to be in a book? And you said, yes, ma'am. You move through your fear, Mm. right? What gives you that bravery to move through your fear?
1: Well, what happened in that particular instance was even I had declared a year of yes. And when people asked me to do things, I was going to say yes, because I had already gotten through something that really took me to the edge of life Mm -hmm. and determined that, you know, life is too short. I mean, (laughs) it is. And so I was just going to start saying yes to things uh, that were coming in that year when you asked me about writing a chapter for the book. But what actually ended up happening as I was given that assignment to write the chapter and bring my story to the book, I ended up having, I have a history of, of lupus mm-hmm. an auto autoimmune, autoimmune condition and all my joints (laughs) of my hands locked up in the course of trying to create this story now is these words that I was meant to send to you and make sure that it could be a part of the book by a certain date, by December fifteenth of last year. And I was ready to just say, well, I guess maybe I won't get a chance to do it. Maybe it won't happen. And I said, no, yeah, no, it's gonna happen. We're gonna make it happen because I've already said yes. I've already put my yes in there. So in the end, the very child that I wrote the story about my daughter who's now 20 had been somebody that's always enjoyed writing. She writes on her own. She has little notebooks and things, and she writes these stories of her own. So I said, you know what? I can get her to type the information that I need to submit for the book. And so that's what happened. um, Because I couldn't, my hands were so painful, I could not make them type on keys, write uh, write something out in longhand. None none of it was working. And so in the end, she, I sat with her in our living room. She transcribed it. She put it into the computer as I just talked it out. I I just kept releasing everything um, through the way I was talking (laughs) of the story and she transcribed it. So,
0: and I think that never even heard
1: the story because she was a baby. That's
0: why I think it's so beautiful. That's why I wanted you to share it because the person, the baby who wrote about it, wrote it. (laughs) And and, and that's what happens when you're, I have this quote that I have a quote that I want to share, but that's what, that's what pros do. That's what people do. That's what people who want to win do. Mm -hmm. You find a way I say, be like water. And they do. What do you mean? Be like water. You go, if you've got an obstacle in your way, you go over around or through it. Mm-hmm. And this quote, I'll have to switch it. Well, no, I'll just say it as it is. <laughs> Turning pro is a mindset. So being the best version of you is a mindset. If we are struggling with fear, self-sabotage, procrastination, self-doubt, etc., the problem is we're thinking like amateurs. We're thinking like people who can't. People who think they can't don't show up. They crap out. They they let adversity defeat them. But a pro, someone who believes in themselves, thinks differently. They show up, they do the work and they keep on trucking no matter what. And I basically paraphrased and added some more words to Stephen Pressfield's quote, but when I hear you talk and how you were like, I promised Michelle, I'm going to give her this chapter, right? (laughs) You're like, you didn't even tell me that your hands cramped, uh, cramped up. You just did it and sent it in and said, does this work? And I'm like, It's beautiful. It wasn't until after the book was already out, we already printed it, that she said, oh, yeah, my hand stopped working. Mm -hmm. My daughter had to write it for me. And I'm like, really, Heather? Thank you for being a trooper. Thank Mm -hmm. you for being the person you are. Because that story that you shared, we've seen so many people already respond on Amazon saying, these stories are amazing. They're they're changing my lives. I shared this with my friend. If you go to Amazon and you look up, Hold My Crown, Women of Grit Share Stories of Resilience. Oh, thank you so much for putting that up. If you look that up, look at the reviews. We're over 64 reviews right now. And this book is not even 30 days old. And what's beautiful about it is There are 12 women who share stories in this book, and we all share a completely different story from our own lives and basically what's happening at different points of our lives and how we made it through, the resiliency it took. When we were beaten down, thought nothing else was going to work, how we climbed out of whatever darkness we were in, found a light, and basically either gave back to other people and helped ourselves at the same time. Hold My Crown, Women of Grit, Share Stories of Resilience is a powerful book. So if you are able to get it, please get it. And even more so, write a review. And then you can learn more about Heather and her ordeal that she went through. And my stories of men true. And then we've got all the other authors too, all amazing women. Mm. And I wanted to share that because I wanted Heather in the book. She was the very first person I asked to be in the book. Because when this idea came to my head, I was in the hospital at the same time she was in the hospital. And when we met together after I got out first, I went to the hospital to see her again. And we were talking and I went, why do we keep meeting like this? We really need to stop competing on who can be in the hospital the longest. And that's when the idea of the book came in my head. It was Heather's story needs to be told. I mean, we were both with brain injuries. Hers was because they went into her brain. Mine was because I bashed my brain. We need to get these stories out before we forget them. Mm -hmm. And then I met more women as I was speaking around the world and went, you know what? These women need to be in here too. And then as I told the authors of this book, I've met many men who have powerful stories too. So one of the next book will be Hold My Crown, the men's edition. And I'm gearing it to men who are fathers because I found that all the men I've met, their major traumas were around fatherhood and being a good man and a good father. So then the third book is about men. But anyways, I wanted to share all that because Heather's story, she's giving a high level. I'm giving a high level because we want you to read the book. (laughs) We, We really want you to read the book. And it's not selfish. It's because we really do believe it will change your life and that anyone who gets that book they will know someone in their life that they need to share that with. Right. Oh, and it's back again. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. And he put the, uh, the Amazon link into the, uh, the chats. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So Heather, we only have like, ooh, about 13 minutes left. What would you like to cover for our last 12 minutes? Oh dear. <laughs> The world is your oyster, my friend. We've got a lot of people watching us right now. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of people on right now. And if they would tell us what they're interested in, we can go more focused in. But no, they're all being shy.
1: Oh, I was going to say, no questions have come through.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Denim and pearls. Heather, you're so amazing. And uh, the new channel quoted me, Michelle Bitt me be the best version of yourself and I always say be the best version of yourself unapologetically Mm. yes Yes. Thank you all for watching from all around the world and everywhere you are. And um, we appreciate you you tuning in to season four, the very first episode of season four, because there are many, many more inspirational people coming onto this platform with me on Mental Shift to help you see the new you. And Heather here is one of my inspirations here in Colorado, because I've seen her in some really dark places that Most people would have given up and she was smiling and encouraging me through my, my journey. When I was there looking at her doing, what can I do to help? And she's like, God's got me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and um, I was just reminded, one of the things that we did with our book launch, we had a book launch here in Colorado Springs for hold my crown. And the nonprofit that we, we used, that we selected to help our, uh, I think would be very interesting for anybody. It's called Imagination Video Books. And what's beautiful about Imagination Video Books is I've lent my voice to Imagination Video Books. I read narration for children's books. And it's for children who are blind or have um, very poor eyesight. And what we do is they find people like me Actually, like Heather, you know, like you maybe out there, who read children's stories and then they we narrate it, and then there's descriptions explaining what's going on around the narration. So like there's a small girl writing on a book with heads a headset on, and she's pointing ahead of her as she flies through the clouds. And then I would you know, the narrator reads the story. What's beautiful about this is the QR code that's up. If you would like to take a screenshot of that and you know save it later, any donation, will help create a book for a child with you know, very poor eyesight and blind so they can have access to these imagination video books. These video books are free to the to the blind children and to them, those who have very poor eyesight. And so by a donation of $5, we'll cover a very large portion of it, but like $50 will actually make the entire video. 75 I think, puts the, the um, sign language in. I mean, so it's a really slow, uh, small amount that will make a big impact into a child's life. Thank you so much for uh, considering that. Take a picture of that screen so you have that QR code and go back to it later and you can go check out imagination video books because that's where my passion lies. I know that my storytelling and my ability to speak stems from my storytelling days when my parents and my uncles and my grandfather and my grandmother, my aunts would read stories to me. They made me learn to love imagination. They helped me see the world in a different place. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in the Philippines. And so I would read, they would read stories to me about America and I would imagine what America was like, you know, and a lot of people, they read about a different country and they, they, imagine what the other country is like I was read stories about different places and throughout my 53 years of my life now I've been able to go to those places and see that those stories were they were really giving a real um, transcription you know description of the places that I imagined in my mind I saw them for real it sparked my interest to travel sparked my interest to become a speaker and a storyteller myself now um oops There's another comment up here that just popped up. Oh, Denim and Pearls is asking a great question. Thank you so much, Brian, my co-host. What was it? Was it a new experience to launch this book?
1: Yes, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, as this has really been the only book that I've been involved in so that even being a part of this book was in part, it was very new experience, yes, but also it's one that was, I believe, because of how I am um, in relationship with Michelle, it's a means to move me forward into doing more writing regarding the um, different experiences I've had. So I'm excited now for the other inputs that I can um, now launch into with other writings of another, well, I don't know, another book or several other books.
0: (laughs) You never know when you start really writing. You never know. And that's what's so beautiful about the Hold My Crown book is I met all these different women and about three of them had their own stories out. And I said, for those of you who don't, it's very scary to see your own words in, in in writing, and to let it out into the world. It's almost like having a baby and saying, "Here, world, what do you think?" And it's it's scary because you're like, "What if they don't like it? What if they what if they uh, criticize me?" These are this this is my life. This is something I've gone through, and so it's really difficult to let go of those words. And so what I like to do is I encourage different people, different women and men now, to come into a book together. So you write twenty five hundred to five thousand words. And you put it in with other people. And when you do that, it, there's a camaraderie. There's a, a a fellowship, a family that is formed. And then you're not so afraid to step into the darkness alone. And what happens is when you step out, where you think it's darkness, it's actually light. And that's the beauty of Hold My Crown and all the people who came together to work together to make this book come true. We are not just a book. We are a we are a tribe of queens, thank you very much, who will make this come to life. We will bring it into conferences. We'll travel the United States and around the world and do breakout sessions on how we we did this resilience, depending on whatever resilience tra- tactic we used in our stories in the book. This is a, it's a, it's a mission. It's, it's a momentum to help other people find that grit inside of them. Our belief amongst all of the art all the um authors is that everyone has that resiliency in them. They just don't realize they have it. And oftentimes when it gets too dark, we crush in on themselves ourselves. What everyone in this book realized was one, we're not alone, two, there's something greater and stronger uh, beyond us. And three, we are not alone, you know, and, and that. We have a tribe of people that would be willing to hold our crown when things get messy, but we have the crown, the masterful crown Mm -hmm. that has been endowed to us for going through what we've gone through. When you're thinking about you're going through bad things and bad things are happening because people are after you or God is after you or whatever you believe is happening, it's not there to punish you. Mm -hmm. It's there to evolve you right Heather? Yes.
1: Yeah. There, I'm always a firm believer that it's, it's a making you stronger um, is what, um, if you didn't have to ever go in, through anything in your life. Yeah. You wouldn't be really the full person that you're supposed to evolve into. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a strengthening. Um, but one of the things that came to mind for me also about, and I leave this with everyone. I do that even when I'm in uh, smaller one-on-one conversations with people. The thing about knowing when you have a goal or an aim in mind, especially if it's, it could be during the health challenges like that I experienced, or it could be based on something else that you're about to do. Um, another goal of of a workplace or starting a business or any of those things is to get a mental picture of what you're in search of. For me, when I was dealing with uh, the two sections of my skull that were missing, the thing that I had on my screensaver of all my devices was a picture of a complete skull. Because in that, I knew that I was going to be able to find someone uh, of a physician and not, believe me, there were three. I had to go to a third opinion before I had this surgery done Um, and just had it done in February to uh, replace my skull sections that were taken out with plastic prosthetics. But I knew that I would find someone that would do the surgery in the way that I had it in my heart to be done because I had created this mental picture, and I would sit and just sit with that. I would, you know, close my eyes and envision this complete skull. Because I said there's going to be a time when I have a complete skull. So that mental picture is is a really strong um, element of for me in my recovery. It really helped me to get through to the other side. And so it's one of those things that we. Um, Find all these various different ways to propel us through onto the victory part of
0: it. So remember, as Heather just said, vision. Mm. You must see a goal in order to get to it. You're like a GPS. If you want to get somewhere, you need to put a direction in so it goes somewhere. Mm. If not, you're just spinning your wheels. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today on Mental Shift. My first episode of season four and next week we'll have another one of our authors to share sally where we'll be in next week and i wanted to share her side of the story because she also had a really cool story i wanted to share this time and thank you all all of you you hundreds and hundreds of you please share the this this live stream and the replay and let your friends know that you know Mental shift is back. Michelle is back on the air. And if you ever want to speak to me or talk to me or uh, discuss anything about being on Mental Shift and having your own show, feel free to go to my website. My website is www.michellemoros.com. And I have online training now, so you can do hashtag, you know, forward slash training. But if you'd like to get on a call, you just go to uh <laughs> put up my whole site. Contact me, and uh, you can go there, and it will say "Book Michelle" or con- "Connect with Michelle." There's that big button down there, and you can say "Connect with Michelle." And there's a 15 minute consult. You can come on 15 minutes on a Zoom call, and we can talk about whatever you need to talk about. But if you're interested in doing a show or thought, thinking about wanting to be a sponsor for Mental Shift, we have a really, really big audience. Feel free, but yes, I have masterminds and virtual courses and all sorts of things, and lots of mini trainings. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> but yes, I am real. I'm I, I do a lot of coaching and training. I've got a lot of books. I've got my podcast Denim and Pearls with uh, Brian Swanson. That's every Friday at noon in America, but we're always on replay on every platform you can possibly think of. So thank you so much for joining us today. And um, wow. So excited to be back for Mental Shift uh, Season 4. We'll see you next week, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time or Wednesday morning at 10.30 a.m. Global Time, which is the Philippine Time. So until next time, be the best version of you and be unapologetically you. Until next time.